0: There's no way around it. Caring for a loved one with dementia is not for the faint of heart. We don't know what we don't know, and many families focus so much on the person with dementia that they forget to keep their eyes on the family member managing care, which can be catastrophic.
1: In this podcast, we'll help you become more proactive and remind you to focus on yourself. We will share challenges and wins and guidance from professionals at every step in the journey of caring for a loved one with Alzheimer's and other dementias. Welcome to the Eye on the Caregiver podcast. We're happy to have Laura Smothers-Chu, a certified dementia practitioner and certified senior advisor on a podcast today. Laura was a long-distance daughter to her father who had dementia. She gained tremendous insight through her father's Alzheimer's journey and has turned her story into good through her business, Befriended Heart. Laura, thanks for joining us today.
2: Thanks so much for inviting me, Shauna Michelle.
0: Laura, I'm so, we are so happy to have you. I, I remember the very first time I met you, we met at a little coffee shop in Western Virginia that I didn't even know existed, <laughs> um, a cute little coffee shop. And I knew right away that you just had such a positive attitude and, and a real deep desire to um, help other long distance adult children, you know, long distance children who find themselves on a similar journey to yours. Can you tell us a little bit about your story and what got you to where you are?
2: Yeah. So I was 28 years old when my dad was diagnosed with mild cognitive impairment. I was an only child and my mom was not yet ready to accept the diagnosis. And, um, that happens quite a bit with families, uh, from hearing from the clients that I work with that, uh, the caregiving parent takes some time to accept the diagnosis and, and move forward. So, um, yeah, and and I think uh, <laughs> I wanted to help, but I lived three and a half hours away, and I wasn't getting any support from the healthcare industry. Um, basically, the main message that I was getting from main, you know, popular dementia websites was kind of stay out of it, like don't meddle, you know, um, which I felt like was not helpful in any way, shape, or form. Um, so I basically created my own framework. Because I was in the healthcare industry myself, I knew experts to talk to and really created my own framework and journey in how I helped my parents from living three and a half hours away.
1: You know, your story just resonates so much with us because uh, when our father was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, uh, he was three and a half hours away. And my parents were, and they were, uh, you know, they, they used to be very social right? And uh, they became very isolated. And um, it it was just so hard. I mean, it finally got to the point where we just said, look, you 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 can either stay in Virginia with where my brother and I lived, or you can go to Texas where Michelle and my other sister lived, uh, but you can't stay here, right? And because uh, it just mm. for a couple of years, it was just so hard. So we understand it. Um, we understand what it's like to be a child and, you know, with a parent with dementia, or as you like to say, forgetful parent, um, so, on your website, you talk about how lonely you felt and how impersonal and depressing you found the information to be. So you decided to change that uh, So tell us a little bit about befriended heart, your mission, and how it's evolved to include all long distance caregivers.
2: Yeah, so um when I was on this journey, like about ten years ago, I said to myself. Obviously, no one is helping long-distance caregivers, so I want to do it, you know, when I was in the place to start thinking about it. And um, I really wanted it to be positive because, you know, anytime we talk about dementia in our society, it's always depressing, right? It's not an empowering type experience um, for anyone involved, right? The person with dementia, any of the caregivers, because of this stigma that we put on it in our society. And so I wanted to be positive. I wanted to be practical. Um, I'm still working on, on my official mission, but it's essentially empowering long-distance caregivers to discover joy in dementia, um, one practical step at a time. So I really talk about this discovering joy in dementia because it, joy and dementia are not normally you know, two words that we join together. But what I've found in my journey is that there can be joy. Because there are beautiful moments, and I'm sure you both have had them too, you know, with with your dad with dementia, um, where you you transform your relationship, right? Like with each other, with your parents, with your parent with dementia, forgetful parent, right? Like there are some beautiful moments there that no one talks about, you know? Um, And so recognizing that it doesn't always have to be 100% depressing. Um, and also really sort of shifting our mindset of like, okay, how can I better understand my parent with dementia? How can I better understand my caregiving parent? Um, so it's, it's definitely a shift in perspective as well as sort of learning to understand someone's experience because it's different than what we remember for our whole life, right? As we're all going on the dementia journey, everyone is experiencing it differently So trying to bridge um, those relationships and the communication um, is is really important to me, and that's what I try to do. Um, And so how I recently actually expanded my business to involve all long-distance caregivers. So um, originally, you know, I had designed it for daughters because I was a daughter and I didn't want to assume what other people's experience was. But what I found in the dementia industry is like, as far as I know, I am the only one specializing in working with long-distance caregivers of dementia, and I didn't want to narrow that just narrow that service just to daughters um, because I also have personal values where I believe in inclusivity, and then, you know, we have um, shifts in our society, which are wonderful, where some people don't identify as a son or a daughter, right? So, like, I wanted to include LGBTQ+, plus and, you know... People non-binary, people who are gender non-conforming, all of those things, right? Because we're all long-distance caregivers um, that are not being supported. So uh, that's what I, I recently decided to expand it to all long-distance caregivers because I feel like, um, you know, I think my stuff can be helpful for anyone regardless. of
1: No, I was just going to say, I think, you know, one of the things about, you know, starting this foundation as we did and, trying and 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 actually launching this podcast is that we're talking to so many interesting people that have so much knowledge and could support um that i i wish we knew about people like you when we were going through it you know because it just was so hard and everything that we were doing we were just kind of making up as we went you know and from you know i I tell the story of my dad um you know, my mom would call me in tears because my dad, you know, took the car, you know, and, um, so one day I drove all the way down there and I installed a cell phone under the seat so we could track him. you know, and and figure out what turned out. He was going to the library and he was at the library for hours, but, um, Mm. you know, everything we did was just pretty much, you know, trying to figure things out. And, and I, and I appreciate your, your, your idea of joy, right. Finding joy. And, and I think that, um, you know, one of the things that we have, you know, the foundation that we've built is really kind of tapping into just the silver lining that we saw in all this. And it was a hard journey. And, uh, but when we kind of came out of it and looked back, we said, you know, wow, we just learned so much and realized that, you know, there's so much to do for people and there's joy in that. So I, I appreciate your 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 mission and how you even have it worded, because I think it's spot on.
0: I couldn't Thank agree you. more. I couldn't agree more. And I love how you e- have evolved, because when we first met, you were focusing on daughters, right? And so for me, you were kind of speaking my language, but I also had two brothers, you know, and they were basically in the same situation I was. We were getting calls from our mom. And I think there's another um, kind of uh, component to long distance children, you know, long distance caregiving and and children who are long distance caregivers, sometimes they don't see themselves as a caregiver, right? Because the spouse, your parent, your other parent is the caregiver. So they don't really see themselves um, as a caregiver. So they don't necessarily relate, yet that's exactly what they're doing. They're just taking different roles of caring and helping support Both their caregiving parent and their parent with dementia. You know, um, many of many daughters do take on the caregiving role, I think, especially when it is a father who has dementia. And I can only speak to that. I can't really speak to the sons and mothers, right? I can speak to mothers and daughters, right? So when our father was diagnosed with technical things, they would call Sean. You know, my mom would call Sean if it was any kind of emotional thing or I need help making a phone call or I don't know what to do with this. They call me, you know, and I see that still happening now. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I kind of give a little shout out, you know, to the daughters who 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 do have siblings and kind of take on a little bit of a larger role, not necessarily always by choice, but it's just kind of how it happens. Right. Right. But I, I love how you have evolved and how you're including um, all long distance caregivers, um, you know, and, and I, I'm going to just repeat what I said before, you know, as an adult child with a parent who has dementia and a parent who's caring for that other parent, you know, it, you are a caregiver. If you're getting phone calls and you're getting asked to help or you're trying to help them navigate, you do have this role um a caregiver you're just doing it from a distance
2: yeah exactly i love that you said that michelle and i want to point out something that i the way that i redefine long distance caregiving because what's fascinating is i've done a, i've done quite a bit of research in this area and there has been as far as i can find no research study done on long distance caregivers specifically for dementia and my my analysis is because Scientists can't figure out how to define what does long distance mean? How far is it? How many hours, right? And whereas my definition is if you do not live with the person with dementia, you are long distance. You can be five minutes away. You can be 15 minutes away. You can be states away. You can be three and a half hours away, right? But um, we all feel that emotional disconnect. And that is what, that's where it is, right? For me, it's not geographic. It's emotional. Whether we are daughters, whether, whether we're sons, like any type of long distance caregiver, you're going to feel that, you know, that's where the helplessness comes in. That's where the guilt comes in, in my experience and what I've found through my clients. Um, and I also want to say, too, like to your point that, yeah, I mean, I think in our society we are conditioned where the women handle the emotional labor in, in general, right, um, at least in like Western society. Um, and so I kind of wonder, you know, when I first did it, like did my business specifically for daughters, I said, well, I'm trying to address the emotional labor aspect of it. Right. But what I'm finding is and, and this is where I'm trying to break the mold a little bit here is are our sons or other long distance caregivers, some long distance caregivers not helping because they don't want to or because they don't know how right because our our healthcare industry like they do they do not empower us in any way shape or form right so so why why would i continue with yes many of the long distance caregivers they tend to be daughters right um but that's changing we know that's changing right it's changing um guys are you know becoming more likely to be Caregivers, maybe not as much as women, but the percentage is increasing, right? Um, caregivers are becoming younger. We're getting millennial caregivers. We're getting more diverse caregivers. What I also had a realization of is like, it's also cultural, right? I've seen men handling the emotional labor of the person with dementia as you know their primary caregivers because that's what was expected in their culture. You know what I mean? And so it's like, I really believe if we don't believe in the potential of everyone to be good long distance caregivers, regardless of how they identify gender wise, then we're not even giving them a chance, right? We're we're still holding all that burden. So that's sort of the general theme that I really believe about long distance caregivers, no matter who they are, right? That they can actually share the burden of like, you know, caregiving for the dementia journey, you know, when the caregiving parent or the primary caregiver is feeling completely overwhelmed and doesn't know how to ask for help or what to ask for, right? Like, why are we throwing all the resources at the primary caregiver when they're obviously like, they're overwhelmed day to day, right? So why can't we help, you know? And the idea that everyone is a long distance caregiver really opens up that avenue for help you know emotionally physically spiritually i mean all of these things right that caregiving takes so that's really the main theme
1: i i think that's fascinating i I would even throw generational in there right because i you know this is our second rodeo right our our grandmother was diagnosed with alzheimer's back in when i was in college and we won't go back to put a date on that but um you know, my mom became the primary caregiver, you know, really just because she was home and my dad worked and that's the generation what they did. And um, I, th- I always found that interesting, right? That, um, you know, my mom, it was her mother-in-law, you know, and, and the, the son, my dad had what? We have five uncles, right? Five five uncles and, a, and an aunt. And really none of the uncles stepped up, you know, until my dad mm. said, we'll take her. And then kind of pumped it off on my mom. Right. And, uh, and that was a hard time and that's for another podcast, but, um, it's, it's just so interesting. And I think you're right. I think that, you know, the ability to bring everybody under the tent and into the team, you know, um, is just so much more powerful. And I think that there is a component, like myself, as I, I think back on those days, you know, I, I wanted to help my mom, you know, but a lot of times I just didn't know how, right. I just didn't know what she needed, you know, and, um, and maybe it was because I wasn't able to connect with her on an emotional basis that maybe Michelle could. Um, but it wasn't from a want, you know, it was just from like, sometimes I would just be like, mom, what do you want? You know, like, and I think, you know, sometimes men want to fix stuff, you know, tell me what the problem is and we'll fix it. And (laughs) and you got to go through the got to go through the emotional conversations and sometimes you know there's not a fix to be had they just they just need to talk you know so but um so you know so as i said before when my dad was my dad when our dad was diagnosed um our mom and dad lived about three hours away from us we lived in the suburbs of dc and they lived on the eastern shore of maryland Um, and that was without three hours without traffic i mean it could take six hours sometimes so it made it very mm-hmm. difficult to get there in a hurry. So kind of getting into the meat of what you do, like what would you say are some of the top challenges that long distance children face when working with a parent with dementia and some strategies uh, about how to address those challenges?
2: Yeah. So great question. Um, definitely the one challenge that I spoke about a little bit is the emotional disconnect that we all feel. I don't think it's a geographic thing at all, um, per se. Uh, and the strategy for that, um, and the, it, this is the emotional disconnect that we feel not only, you know, in my case, right. It was my parents. So I'll use that as an example, um, in, in your cases as well. So, um, you know, I not only had an emotional disconnect from my dad who had the diagnosis of dementia and I didn't know what the heck was going on, you know, three and a half hours away over there. Um, But I I couldn't be there for him either or even know what was going on. Right. But I also was emotionally disconnected from my mom's experience as a primary caregiver. And I think that's, um, that's often where I think the tension lies At least uh, in, you know, with the case with my mom and also the clients that I work with, right? It's like this lack of communication, this lack of understanding of what the other person's experience is like, you know? Um, Because you can talk about it till you're blue in the face, but unless you're like are actually there in person, you don't really understand, right? So I think emotional disconnect is one. Um, And I, you know, there is a way to address that in the sense of you can talk with your parents, things like that. Um, I know for me, the huge kind of reality in my face was when I actually had my dad stay with me for a week. Uh, He was in mid-stage dementia, so he was still able to take care of himself for the most part. Um, and I was able to see exactly what my mom was experiencing. I had him stay for at least a week, which I highly recommend, um, to the clients I work with, but just so you can understand, like, not only like, you know, what your parent with dementia is going through and what they're experiencing, but also what your primary caregiver parent is experiencing as well. So that's a solution that I found helpful. Um, also, I talked about this a little bit. The second biggest challenge is the lack of understanding I talked about right so not only about sort of um, how is dementia how is the dementia progressing? where is my forgetful parent on this you know timeline this continuum of of dementia um, and also you know what is it like for them with dementia? you know what i mean um i don't i don 't feel like we really talk about in the healthcare industry what it's like to be the person with dementia or the the caregiving parent you know and that's really that can create that understanding that bridge for us to feel more connected to our parents regardless of how far we live away from them Um, and the last challenge i've talked about this but this is huge for me is the lack of support from the healthcare industry the fact that they keep throwing all these great resources um, at the primary caregiver, we know that many of the primary caregivers are overwhelmed. Some of them are getting sick. Some of them are even, you know, passing away before the, the parent with dementia. Like we know this is all true, right? So why are we still doing this pattern? You know, like why don't we help the people that really want to help that don't know how, right? So, um, those are the three things. And I think as far as strategies go, um, that's really what I teach in my work is, um, you know, about the different dementia stages, what to expect, how you can plan a lot of the, a lot of times. And definitely in my experience, it was a lot of behind the scenes stuff, right? Cause my mom was not ready to accept the diagnosis. So I did a lot of stuff behind the scenes. Um, and then when the crisis does come because it will, then, you know, they'll say like, "What should we do?" and be in panic mode. You will pull out your plan that you had already written like two years ago, right? Because of all the the stuff that you had done behind the scenes. So that's what I work with my clients to do.
0: Laura, I'm really curious. Like, this is a little bit personal, but your mom, like, your relationship with your parents prior to this. Were you and your mom, did you communicate about all kinds of personal things? Like if, if they weren't feeling well, or they were dealing with stress for whatever it might be, is this something that you would have communicated with your parents prior to the diagnosis of dementia with your dad?
2: So I have always been more close with my dad, but I think that the dementia journey has changed that it's really transformed my relationship with my mom. And that's also because of self-reflection like, s- stuff I've done on my own and things like that that I also help my clients with using mindfulness and and um you know framework like that but yeah I mean I think the hard part was that my mom was trying to shield me from all the stuff but I wasn't getting the full story and I think that happens with a lot of long distance caregivers right um and so that's yeah
0: That's really where I was going with that, right? Because I think especially my parents, our parents are a little bit older than yours. Um, You know, we're a little bit older, but the communication, we never had, we never talked about anything that was personal with them. You know, we didn't, some people, when they're speaking with their parents, they know their whole financial situation. They know if they stub their toe, if they, you know, have a headache or whatever, they have that kind of communication with their children. And We didn't really, we, we didn't really have that. You know, my, my parents were of that generation that they just didn't air their dirty laundry. So they might have a conversation with me about something, but the expectation was that I would not share that even with Sean, Greg, you know, or my, my, um, my other sister, you know, this was, if you, if you, especially my dad, if you spoke to my dad about something, this was a very confidential kind of thing, you know? And so I think it's important for long distance caregivers to, you know, understand that they're not necessarily hiding things from you as much as they're trying to protect you, right? And so you have to learn how to break through that barrier and realize, you know, I know you're trying to protect me and emotionally protect me, but I can't help you with only part of the story. Like, I can't go to the doctor and have a huge ulcer and tell the doctor, you know, oh, my finger hurts and then come home and go, he didn't, you know, well, you didn't tell him, you know, you didn't tell him. And so I think it's something that we all kind of need to be aware of. And and I know at with us, we'll get phone calls all the time, panicked, long distance children who were panicked because they went home for the holidays, which is what's around the corner, right? They went to visit their parents for Thanksgiving or for Christmas. And they call us and they're like, my mom is so bad. I had no idea. My dad is so bad. I had no idea. What do I do? Where do I go? How do I start? I don't think they can live at home. And it starts this, you know, this kind of treadmill. And, you know, We tried, like, uh, it's just a really hard thing to break through, right? Because I think the initial thought is that they're hiding this from me. You know, no, they're not. They're protecting you or they think they're protecting you. That's what parents do, you know? And we have to, although society-wise, we talk about dementia so much more than we ever did, there's so much more we can do. And Sean and I talk about this all the time. It almost always comes back to communication. Communicating with the physician, communicating with your friends, communicating with your children, when you can communicate and be open about these things, then the opportunities to help expand, you know, but communication is, it all comes down to that almost every topic we talk about.
2: Absolutely. And that was a wall that I had to break through with my mom, um, because I think, one thing that we also go through is that they still see us as their kids, right? No matter how old we are. <laughs> Even if you are a professional in the dementia field. I'm raising my hand right now. You guys can't see me, but. <laughs> um, so it's like kind of getting through that and really reminding them of we all want – like, we want the same goal. I want you to be happy, mom and dad. And and in order for me to help, like make sure that you have a, like a wonderful quality of life or the stuff that you really want, I I do need this information, you know. And I hope that you know you'll trust me to to keep this information, you know, confidential or, or, you know, whatever, but like we have that love in common, you know, and kind of reminding them of that, right? Because I think that's the other thing. It's like everyone is in survival mode right now on the dementia journey, right? So in survival mode, you sort of automatically want to protect yourself and you sort of assume these stories about somebody else, right? So you talked about how, you know, we as long distance caregivers like, oh, they're keeping that from me, you know, and it gets very frustrating, whereas you know you have the primary caregivers or caring parents being like oh well they don't care enough to help they don't want to help you know what i mean and these are all assumptions that we're making because we're not communicating with each other right so exactly. it's really yeah so it's creating that new level of of understanding and really trust it's it's really nurturing that trust
0: yeah so you yeah. you eventually moved your parents to virginia to be closer to you um and we did the same thing right so I'm curious. We haven't really talked about this with anyone else, but is that, was that a hard sell for your parents to get them to move, especially your dad?
2: Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Um, so he had he had dementia for seven years, and it was like year five, you know, that I finally. But I mean, from the beginning, I had mentioned you know, hey, mom and dad, it's going to be really hard for me to help you. Like I'm in the dementia field, but I'm here in Virginia and I don't know the resources out there, you know, and you guys live in the suburbs, which is really far away from anything that can help you, unfortunately. Right. So, um, it was a long, it was a long process. And that's what I will say, Michelle too. It's like, oh God, patience is like the biggest thing that we can learn in this journey <laughs> because we as long distance caregivers are, are kind of like what Sean said, right? Like we want to just fix the problem because we're not there and we're just like, oh, if we fix it, it'll be good, you know? But like we really need to be present with both our parents and their experience. Um, and also, sorry, I forgot the other thing I was going to say. Um, what was it? Oh, Yes. And I also wanted to speak to something else you said earlier, which was how we feel like our parents are keeping something from us, right? So that automatically gets us defensive and then we feel like they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing which we believe is the right thing for them to be doing right and so we we make we give them this advice right which can come across as judgmental it can come across as invalidating all of these things and i did this with my mom before i knew how to make a compassionate suggestion right so i talk about with the clients i work with about compassionate suggestion um, which is really like planting a seed and kind of seeing like gauge where they are on that plan, that idea, right? Because you're not going to solve this problem in one day, you know. But you can you can really like like hold your parents' hands and go together, you know. Um, that's really like I think a big part of of increasing the trust and the communication is really like trying to. Like, meet your parents where they are. Transition was really difficult. And as I mentioned, it was years, years in the making. And honestly, the the catalyst for finally getting to my mom emotionally and practically was having my dad stay with me for a week where she was able to go back home. And she was able, when she came and, you know, picked up my dad again, she noticed how he didn't she wasn't sure if he really recognized her for the first time, you know what I mean because our 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 caregiving parents are seeing the the you know forgetful parent every day all the time, so it's hard to notice these differences right um but i I had had a conversation with her um you know I think i my lovely neighbor was hanging out with my dad so I could talk with my mom about this in my house, and it was just like, um, so my dad wasn't even in the house, but I just said, you know. I'm noticing this, this, and this about dad. And, you know, I'm, I'm a little worried and I feel like perhaps his needs are more than both of us can handle. You know, we might need to get some professional help. So what, what would that look like? You know? So that really was the catalyst for that conversation. And then, um, like fairly soon after the conversation, My mom started the process of like selling her house in Pennsylvania all by herself. right? She'd never done before. Um, No finances, nothing, right? So she had to learn all of this stuff since my dad had dementia, which I think is amazing. And yeah, she's incredible. Um, And also, you know, my dad, I believe, stayed with me for a few days. Like he came back, you know, it was a different trip, but he stayed with me for a few few days. And then um, we transitioned him to memory care. But I was the one that I was the one that drove him there and did the transition.
1: You know, it's interesting just, you know, I was just kind of sitting back listening to you guys talk and, and, you know, there's this idea of patience is so, so key, right? And, and really having a bi-directional communication with your parents, which can be hard, right? Because, you know, as I'm listening to you guys talk, I'm thinking about myself, you know, and I had a very um, deep conversation with one of my daughters about a month and a half ago. And, um, I told her some things that were going on. She's like, well, you never told me that. I'm like, I'm like, I'm not sharing my stuff with you. You know, like you got enough stuff going on in your life and I want you to focus on your life. And I'm, I'm replaying that conversation in my, my head (laughs) right now going, that's what my mom would do to us. Like she wouldn't tell us stuff. And, So we have to really work on getting them to open up and getting them to to really say, hey, look, you know, and and communicate with us because and we have to get better at communicating with them. And, you know, I know from our you know, I I'm I'm replaying all this like, oh, my gosh, like years. You know, when you say it took years to move them, it took us years to move my parents, you know, and uh, it probably took us six months to have the conversation with them, you know, and my dad just was not on board with that decision, not even remotely on board with that decision. And we fought and fought. And fi- I think finally, we just were like, Dad, it just doesn't, your opinion doesn't matter. I mean, because we were never going to get anywhere with him, you know,
2: mm. being on
1: there. And I think we eventually appealed to my dad. But at this time, my dad was probably more in the, in the Alzheimer's world as he was lucid. Um, but I think when he was more lucid, we were able to appeal to mom, you know, and this is the best thing for mom. And my dad would always do what's ever best for my mom, you know? And so, um,
0: you know, I think, uh, with our dad, um, the one thing that he never lost, you know, he, he lost his ability to remember who we were, remember my mom, you know, he never lost his ability to not want to be a burden. That's what mm. drove, that's what drove every, Um, every roadblock that got in the way of us moving wasn't that he didn't want to do what was best for us, but he felt like what we were asking was making him become our burden. And he did not want to be our burden. And I know he's not alone. I know there's a lot of families out there that are dealing with something very similar. You know, He did not want to be a burden. And he made that crystal clear when he was able to, and then, as the dementia you know progressed and progressed, you know he he never lost that at all you know he he never he never did and that that makes it really tough, you know really tough our the way we got my dad moved was they used to travel to visit us or to visit like my family usually in the winter they would leave the beach and they would come to where we lived at the time, which was Texas. And they would stay for like three months, not with us, but they would stay with us for Christmas. And then they would maybe go to New Mexico and they had like a timeshare, you know, and they would go to warmer weather. And finally, we just said, Mom, here's what's going to happen. You're going to come for Christmas and you're not leaving mm-hmm. and you're not going to leave. So you're going to come down. You're going to stay with us for Christmas. We're I'm going to get on a plane and we're going to go take care of your house. You don't have to do anything, you know. We, and we'll convince dad, we'll figure out how to convince dad about moving when, when the time comes, you know, and it, it worked out, it all worked out, but you know, that's for another thing for another conversation. But as a child, a long distance caregiver, you know, that's when like, I struggle so much with like some of the lies we had to tell our dad, you know, to do what was best for him and do, you know, I didn't like that but it was kind of what we had to do. The only way we could get, make any kind of progress,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: you know, so that's for a whole nother conversation.
2: Yeah. We could talk about that, you know, another time, but, but I like, that's such a good point to bring up. And honestly, if you look at it and it's much easier to see now. Right. But it's like, you guys did end up fulfilling his value of him not being a burden. Right. So I think it's so important to really like, ideally have this conversation with your parents, but really think about, like, what is their personal value over everything, you know? Because you're not going to be able to – in most cases, you can't keep them home forever, you know? Like, the way that dementia progresses, it's just not – it doesn't make sense financially. It doesn't make sense, like, safety-wise, right? So it's like, what can we still retain of my parents' values, right? that, you know, won't change based on the dementia progression. So I think, I think you guys did that, you know? Um, and that really is like, that is one of the inner conflicts that we have, right? Because we are trying to do what's best by our parents and we, we want them to be around a little longer in general, right? So it's really, it's really um, balancing this idea of safety and independence. I think that's like the main crux of the conflict that we have as um, as long distance caregivers. Yeah,
0: yeah, I I, I, agree. I think this
1: idea of value, right, is so key. And looking back on this, um, one of the things, at least I think Michelle and I did, uh, was really try to understand what my dad wanted. You know, he couldn't, he couldn't communicate to that. And in the end, even up to the day he passed away and we were sitting there, you know, at his side, um, as hard as that day was, I was at peace because I knew he was at peace. And I knew that that's what he would want, right? He would mm-hmm. want things to kind of play out the way it did. He didn't want to be a burden. He didn't want, he was a brilliant man. Didn't, um, didn't like, if he was out, of if he was having an outer body experience watching what was going on, he was like, I don't want that. that. that I don't want that. So I think we were able to, to try and, and, and understand what he wanted all along and, and let go in the end, you know, uh, because we were able to, to, to understand the value of what he, what we thought that he wanted. So, um, Michelle, do you want to? Yeah. yeah so,
0: I mean, w- we could talk about this forever. Um, So, but we can't. Um, And so <laughs> I think, you know, we'd love to have you back like in the spring and, you know, kind of talk about this a little bit more, but, um, you do have a free guide that you offer to long distance caregivers. why don't you talk about that for a second before we wrap up?
2: Yeah, so I have a free guide that i um have made available that i, I I've gotten really good feedback on from long distance caregivers um It is a guide specifically about the dementia stages. I simplify it into three because when I was on the journey, that was a lot easier than seven. So I've done it in three stages. But um, in addition to sort of like, you know, listing the symptoms of each stage and all that stuff, which you can find on websites everywhere, I really tailor this guide specific to specifically to long distance caregivers in the sense of like, okay, an early stage, what do we notice or what, like, what do we notice as family members? And then what do outside people notice as, as non-family members, right? And what's the difference there? What's the biggest challenge about this stage for long distance caregivers? And best of all, like, yes, these are all, you know, the symptoms of early stage. Um, And of course they're not hard and fast, all, all that stuff, right? I have that in the guide, but I have a tip for every stage of what to do next And that's what I feel like is really missing from these like websites that list all the symptoms. They're like, okay, bye. Like that's the stage. Have fun. You know, which is not helpful at all. Right. It just makes us feel depressed and helpless, which is what we already feel. So um, so really having like a, a tip, a recommendation of what to do at this point. Right. So, for example, speaking of early stage um you know this is the time that you want to see if your forgetful parent is still driving are they still driving safely right that's a it's a good time to have that conversation because they can still um you know understand sort of what what's going on and what your concern is and things like that um it's also a really great time to start looking into an elder law attorney to update your parents wills um and it's a really great time to also, maybe before the elder law attorney, um, is finding a fi- like financial manager, you know, someone that whether they have someone at the bank that, you know, already does that for them, but really trying to look at both your parents' finances as we start to think long term. So, And that's one thing that I talk about in the guide too, is that like one major thing that long distance caregivers can do because we are emotionally disconnected and we tend to have more time than our primary caregiving parent is we can start to research this stuff. We can start to look way ahead of you know the, um, time, the dementia timeline, not be in the day-to-day stuff, but start thinking about the long-term implications, like how can we start planning so we can have peace of mind um, now and in the future.
1: That's awesome. So, yeah. So, so yeah.
2: So that's the guide. And the, <laughs> let me, let me tell you how to get it. <laughs> that would be good. That'd be helpful. Um, so if you go to my website, joyindementia.com, you guys will include the link below. Um, you'll, there will be a pop-up that comes up and says, um, do you want a free gift? And that is this guide. So, yeah, that's excellent. Guide.
1: So we will definitely, uh, put all your contact information, your website and the link and everything like that for the free guide. Um, but you know before we wrap up, you know, what's the best piece of advice you can give adult children for managing the emotional stress that comes with you know your parents diagnosis of of Alzheimer's or dementia?
2: Yeah. So that joy in dementia is possible and that you can help in a meaningful way even from a distance.
0: I love that. I love that. Laura, thank you so much for your time and your insight. Um, and thank you for all that you do to help long distance caregivers find joy in dementia.
2: thank you guys
1: yeah thank you, thank you Laura. you know, and you know one of the things we see on this podcast is, is' people who who go through the journey and then convert that journey into giving back and we really appreciate um people like that and and you are one of them, so thank you very much for everything that you do and um thank
2: you, and, and likewise and so- you know i love I love meeting with um with founders and creators that have been on the same journey because I feel like we have so much more insight than someone that's just like went to school for this and read a book on it you know what I mean we had that empathy so that's really important
1: definitely yeah. well thank you very much for being on the podcast and hopefully we'll see you again in the spring
2: sounds good I'd love to come back thank I you guess. all right bye